0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Welcome to Scorebox. It's Tuesday morning and these are your headlines. U.S. and Chinese officials hold seven hour long talks but offer differing accounts over how they address Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The Deputy Treasury Secretary, Wally Adeyemo, tells CNBC the West will maintain pressure on Moscow.
0: President Putin has a choice. He has a choice to continue invading Ukraine or to de-escalate. As long as the invasion continues, sanctions will continue.
1: The EU ramps up sanctions on Russia, agreeing to a fourth package of measures and pledging to remove Moscow's favored nation trade status. But Germany's finance minister tells CNBC that Europe also needs to manage the risks to its economy.
2: There are certainly risks for the economic uh, development of the European Union. We uh, should consider means to stabilize our economies and uh, to reduce the burden uh, from uh, the private households.
3: Chinese tech stocks sell off for the second straight day after posting their worst session since 2008 as Beijing battles to maintain its zero-COVID stance with daily cases doubling. Key Chinese data beats expectations across the board with retail sales and industrial output both rising at their fastest pace since June.
0: And the roller coaster ride continues. Oil hits a two week low as WTI trades below $100 a barrel while global yields spike with the 10 year Treasury hitting its highest level since July 2019 as the Federal Reserve meeting kicks off.
1: Yeah, some extraordinary things here on the markets. And technically, is, does that mean Brent's in a bear market? Um, I don't quite think so. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, the U.S. and China have held a seven-hour-long talks in Russia with, uh, in broma big pardon, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine one of the key subjects for discussion. The two nations, though, gave different accounts of the meeting. China's state-run Xinhua news agency described the talks as "quote constructive," emphasising the focus on bilateral relations and Taiwan. Uh, Meanwhile, a U.S. State Department official uh, said the talks were, quote, substantive and intense around Russia's assault on Ukraine. Washington warned Beijing, though, against aiding Russia's war efforts, instead urging officials to use their relationship with Moscow to help ease tensions. We are watching very closely. Uh,
4: The extent to which the PRC, or or any other country for that matter, provides any form of support, whether that's material support, whether that's economic support, whether that's financial support, uh, to Russia. Uh, Any such support from anywhere in the world uh, would be of great concern to us. It would be of, uh, of course, the greatest concern uh, if a country like uh, the PRC uh, were to be doing that, a country that, by the way, Uh, has tremendous leverage uh, with Russia, has a relationship with Russia that is distinct uh, from the relationship that we or just about any other country uh, on the planet has with Russia, and with that in mind, uh, could do more than probably many other countries to bring an end to this senseless violence, to this brutality, uh, to Putin's
0: uh, premeditated uh, war of uh, choice. Well, let's dig a little deeper into this story. The U.S. has reportedly told its allies that China is willing to aid Russia's military efforts in Ukraine. According to the FT, Washington sent a message through diplomatic cables to NATO and some Asian allies saying China would likely deny that it would reply positively to Russia's request for military assistance. The Pentagon believes that the Kremlin still has almost 90 percent of its combat power available for the war. Speaking to reporters, a senior US defense official said almost all of Russia's deployed assets have survived the conflict so far, including short range, medium range, ballistic and cruise missiles. The official added Russia's military convoy just outside Kiev has not made any significant progress in the last few days as the invasion enters its 20th day. The Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said that the Ukrainian war effort have so far been uh, very successful in obstructing Russian forces.
5: The Ukrainians continue to fight back very bravely and skillfully, and you've heard me use the word creatively, and I would say that that continues to be the case. Uh, They are making uh, good use of... uh, of uh, their own knowledge, um, their own situational awareness, their skill sets, and certainly they're making good use of the material that they are getting—not just from the United States, but from many other nations as well. And they—if you just look at the map and you just look at um, how little progress the Russians have been able to make in in, in the two plus weeks now that they've been at this. Uh, Yes, some of that is due to their own stumbles and missteps and logistical problems. But a lot of it, a lot of it is due to the Ukrainian resistance um, and how adaptive they are proving to be uh, on the field and frankly in the street.
3: A convoy of over 160 cars has managed to leave Mariupol, evacuating civilians from the encircled Ukrainian city, according to local officials. This would be the first successful evacuation attempt from the Black Sea port city. Previous attempts have faltered due to Russian breaches of a ceasefire to provide humanitarian corridors. Citizens are running low on essential supplies after being blocked from leaving by the Russian forces for more than two weeks. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says talks with Russia will continue today. He also spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett as part of efforts to secure, quote, a fair peace. According to Zelensky, Russian and Ukrainian delegations have continued to negotiate and are, quote, making pretty good progress. In an address made on the streets of Kiev, he said Russia's invasion is a result of years of planning.
6: Russia has
1: been preparing for this war for decades. They have accumulated significant military resources for the evil conquest of neighbors and for the destruction of Ukraine and the Europe that we know and value. That's why we need to stand strong and fight in order to win and reach the peace Ukrainians deserve – an honest peace with security guarantees for our state and our people that will be put down on paper.
3: Zelensky is due to address U.S. Congress virtually in a rare joint session on Wednesday, according to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. On Monday, the Ukrainian president had to cancel a similar address to the Council of Europe due to urgent, unforeseen circumstances.
0: Well, President Biden will reportedly travel to Europe next week to discuss the war in Ukraine with NATO allies. Biden will likely meet with ally leaders in Brussels on March the 23rd, According to multiple sources, the U.S. leader may also visit Poland, although plans have not yet been fully finalized. Speaking to CNBC, the Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Treasury Department Wally Adeyemo said uh, Washington will continue to ramp up its economic pressure on Moscow. The Russian economy is in a state of pain. It's in a financial crisis, a financial crisis that's been caused by our sanctions, but are the result of President Putin's invasion. The steps that they're taking there demonstrate that the pain they're taking is having significant impact. They've stopped Russian citizens from being able to withdraw foreign currency. They're in a position where they're going to have to make choices about what debts they pay going forward. And those choices will ultimately put him in a position where he has to make a decision about whether he continues the invasion or he stops that invasion
1: the european union has agreed on a fourth package of sanctions against russia according to a tweet from the french eu presidency which said it will target individuals and entities involved in aggression against ukraine a subsequent tweet from the same account confirmed the group also approved the wto's decision to suspend russia's application for most favored nation status as well as belarus's attempt to join the group but there's a lot going on uh, from the Europeans, and especially at the Eurogroup as well. So let's get out to Sylvia in Brussels where she is covering the Eurogroup meetings. Good morning to you.
4: Good morning, Steve. You know how in the U.S. we've started to hear the word recession about what this war will actually mean for the U.S. economy. Some economists there are worried that there could be a recession there. And so when I spoke with some of the Eurozone finance ministers here in Brussels on Monday, I asked them indeed what can we expect if they're seeing as some sort of risk of a recession here as well. Here's what the German finance minister had to say.
2: We uh, have to closely look at the economic situation. Uh, It is not yet the right time and place to decide. But um, there are certainly risks for the economic uh, development of the European Union. And uh, this is why we uh, should consider means to stabilize our economies and uh, to reduce the burden uh, from uh, the private households.
4: And just to give you some context, earlier this year when we were here in Brussels the finance ministers were very outspoken about how there was going to be an economic rebound in the euro area this year. But now there are a lot of concerns about what this war will mean for the economy. Of course they are for now refusing to use the word recession but the Dutch finance minister also told me that she is worried about the macroeconomic impact.
6: We are concerned about the macroeconomic consequences. We will we will have to deal with this situation probably for a longer period, much longer than the conflict may last. However, to talk of a recession is, try, is talking yourself into a recession and I'm he- hesitant to do so.
4: And just finally as well, a lot of uh, your colleagues in the Eurozone have started mentioning that there needs to be some sort of Eurozone measure to allow more countries to spend more on defense. What sort of policy are you considering to say yes to? Would you allow common borrowing to essentially allow more um, spending on defense?
6: Well, I suppose you could call that the elephant in the room. Um, we will have a discussion on a reform uh, and a sort of a reform and the modernization of the stability and growth pact I know for some time a country such as Poland has advocated for defense spending to be to be considered as a special investment others have pushed for a green golden rule the Netherlands has been reluctant to be fully open towards the, this me, uh, this easing out of, of the pact in that way because it, it's very difficult and it, it, it risks dilution to a great extent, so we do not measure the same anymore. We are however in favour of productive investments, but this discussion we will be having with one another uh, in 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 the period ahead.
4: So when we were here in Brussels a month ago, just before the war started in Ukraine, Jeff, the finance ministers were talking about how to spend more on climate policies, how to adjust the fiscal rules to allow them to spend more on that. Now, the talk is very different finance ministers want to spend more on defense and they want the fiscal rules to also allow them to do more on that front. So you can tell that there's a lot of discussion here about how to change those fiscal rules, how to adjust them going forward, but how is that going to take place when a lot of the countries now want to spend more both on climate but also on defence. So a lot of tough discussions for the finance ministers in the coming months, and we should expect some more detail on that front in May.
0: Yeah, terrific, Sylvia. Good job. Thanks very much indeed uh, for the coverage there. Uh, We're going to refocus on China, the zero Covid strategy once again being tested in that country as new daily cases more than double. We're going to look at the market fallout in just a few moments.
3: And for more on the diplomatic efforts to end the war in Ukraine, check out the Squawk Box podcast.
0: Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to China. The authorities there have locked down more than 24 million residents in the northeastern province of Jilin, which has become the epicenter of the country's latest COVID wave. China confirmed... More than 3,500 symptomatic cases on Monday. That's double the number reported a day earlier and the most since the early phases of the pandemic. Officials have already imposed a week-long shutdown in the city of Shenzhen, while parts of Shanghai have also been locked down, Juliana.
3: Thanks, Jeff. Let's get a check on markets. Uh, Around this time yesterday, U.S. futures pointed to a strong session stateside, but sentiment turned sour throughout the trading session, and we saw the S&P 500 ultimately end down about 0.7 percent. The tech-heavy Nasdaq taking um, a more significant hit, ending more than 2 percent lower. Technology stocks led the losses yesterday alongside uh, energy stocks. The Dow Jones faring a little bit better, but still ending the day flat after, again, that positive momentum that we saw early in the day fade throughout. Um, One stat to throw out there, ARK Innovation ETF fell nearly 6% yesterday. Uh, Clearly a major tech play, but um, a fairly significant pullback as we saw tech stocks fall out of favor. Uh, We did see uh, big moves in fixed income, which we'll get to in just a moment. On that China story, let's take a look at some of the big movers yesterday um, stateside that are heavily influenced by what's been happening in China. We had Apple and Qualcomm shares underperform yesterday. Um, One of Apple's key suppliers, Foxconn, forced to pause production in Shenzhen due to the COVID outbreak over there. Meanwhile, Moderna and Pfizer shares performed very well yesterday as case numbers uh, rose in China, um, spurring debate over whether we might see China look uh, elsewhere look abroad for vaccines should they need to boost their population. Also, a talk increasing, talk spreading around potential boosters rolling out across the United States. So renewed demand for those vaccine makers. Turning to fixed income, we did see some massive moves in treasuries yesterday. U.S. bond yields rebounding to new multi-year highs. We've got the U.S. 10-year around 2.14 percent now, the five-year around 2.1 percent, and the two-year up around 1.86 percent. We were under 1.8 percent around this time yesterday. In currencies, let's take a look at the dollar crosses and where we stand in the lead up to the all-important Fed decision this week. We've got uh, sterling and euro trading higher versus the dollar, so a little bit of a pullback in the dollar. Yesterday, we saw the U.S. dollar edge slightly lower, breaking a two-day win streak, so euro trading around 109.76 versus the dollar right now. A little bit of strength, though, in the dollar versus the yen. Turning to energy markets, this was an interesting story yesterday. Again, largely tied to what's happening in China. We saw a pullback In oil, oil hitting a two week low. WTI currently under $100 a barrel, 98.25. Brent crude trading around 102, pulling back further today. Uh, And we are seeing analysts pull back their or dial back their demand expectations given the shutdowns we're seeing across China. And China, of course, a key market for oil oil. Uh, And finally, taking a look at Asian markets and what we're seeing in the latest trade, we've got the Hang Seng down a further 4 percent. Shanghai Composite over in the mainland down about 3.7 percent. So the selling continues in China as investors digest uh, what the future looks like given the rising COVID case numbers. Steve.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, Just looking at Meta, it was all time high, I reckon was three hundred and seventy eight bucks, but a bit of change on the tenth of September last year it's now below fifty percent of that uh one hundred and eighty six bucks wow, but um yeah, stunning decline. Um, let's come on with the uh, Asian tech story. Uh, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index is uh, leading Asian markets lower after posting its worst close in six years. Dragged lower by technology stocks. Now, Emily has been looking at this. Emily, very good morning to you. Is this about, uh, concerned about delistings in the States? Is it about the COVID situation in Hong Kong and the mainland? Or is it about the fines that are being levied upon some companies? Or a combination of everything. Good morning to you.
7: good morning to you steve and i'm gonna say it is all of the above and then some we've got the Hang Seng index at a six year low before the losses uh, that uh, continue to pile on today uh, we are now into the afternoon session and I thought we saw the bottom uh, I thought there could be a floor here but then uh, we were approaching losses of about 1000 points uh, just a short within this last uh, hour and a half uh, that the market has been trading in the afternoon session here uh, so don't count the market out just yet we're at 18,731 the market is down 4% uh, the Hang Seng Eight shares down 4.6 percent, and the Hang Seng Tech Index, that is one we are also watching, at a record low, pulling back 4 percent today after an 11 percent pullback yesterday. Now, what is all this? uh, What is going on here? Well, let's uh, try and uh, nail some of this down for you. The COVID outbreak over in the mainland, just neighboring in Shenzhen. uh, This is one that we are watching, of course, as the city is going to be locked down or is until March the 20th. We're keeping an eye out on that. The situation in Hong Kong. Uh, We still got. in the tens of thousands each day and we are watching how the Shanghai markets and the Shenzhen markets can still be up and running even though those cities have been locked down Uh, similar to potentially what we can see when the city goes into the uh, mandatory community testing those PCR tests when the government does that and potentially we have a lockdown in Hong Kong as well Uh, we're looking at uh, what happened uh, overnight in the US those China tech stocks and JP Morgan's downgrade of uh, these Chinese internet stocks calling them in uninvestable there. That's the sell equivalent due to rising geopolitical and macro risks. So uh, we saw them lowering the price target on the U.S. ADRs in Alibaba. The Hong Kong listed shares are at record lows. It was already at a record low before today down eight and a half percent as we speak. Uh, The uh, price target on the US traded shares for Alibaba at $65 and I will tell you this uh, that in terms of the most shorted stocks right now Alibaba is one of them Ping On Insurance is another the Tracker Fund as well as the Hang Seng China Enterprise ETF another reason why we're seeing this big sell down is uh, the SEC named five Chinese companies listed over in the United States that have the potential for delisting uh, because they are liable under the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act and they have to hand over Uh, those audits uh, to the U.S. regulator for for the OK, but this is against Chinese law, so it's unlikely that that's going to happen. So we got over 200 companies that face delisting as a result of this. So this is uh, the damage report here. Look at Yum China shares, down two and a half. Uh, That is the best off in the bunch here. Beijing and HutchMed, both of these are biopharmaceutical stocks, both down more than nine percent. And then, of course, there is Tencent. And we had the Wall Street Journal reporting that uh, the company could face potential fines uh, for in hundreds of millions because of uh, anti-money laundering violations. Lapses in compliance to do with know your customer, know your business. Tencent shares today down 7% at $308.40. So we are seeing very steep losses play out here in the Hong Kong market. There's lots going on here. It's the COVID. It's uh, the war in Ukraine. It's uh, the tech regulations uh, both coming from the U.S. as well as China. So lots going on in the Hong Kong market and we're still trying to find the floor here. Back to you guys in London.
0: All right, Emily, thank you very much indeed for that. Well, let's stay in the region and let's talk about some of the China data that we had through this morning, which on the face of it looks strong, both for retail sales and industrial production data, topping expectations uh, in January and February, despite the rising COVID cases and fresh lockdown restrictions. But of course, they won't come through until we see the next set of data. Let's get out to Sam for some analysis on what this tells us then about the state of the recovery in China. Sam, good morning.
5: Good morning to you, Jeff. Well, certainly some impressive numbers out of China today. But the big question is, uh, can this be sustained? And many economists suggest not because of the downside risk. Of course, we do have these high commodity costs off the back of what is going on with Ukraine. We've already seen those high raw material prices for filtering through to the factory gate in China with those inflation numbers last week. But also, and perhaps more importantly and significantly, the COVID situation over in China, as Emily was just touching on, we are seeing, of course, these lockdowns in these critical manufacturing hubs. This is the worst outbreak China has seen in two years. It just keeps getting worse and worse day by day with those numbers of infections. Uh, and so really, economists are saying that perhaps those numbers that you see on your screens there are a bit backwards looking now. They don't capture the full extent and the, uh, uh, the impact of what we are seeing going on uh, when it comes to the domestic factors, but also the external factors. Uh, if you ask the Stats Bureau, it certainly did acknowledge the challenges that the Chinese economy is facing right now. It said we certainly need to keep an eye uh, on the COVID situation and it said it would be working hard uh, to propel growth towards that about 5.5% GDP growth target, which, of course, uh, many economists have said is pretty ambitious given what's going on at the moment. But it did sound pretty confident saying that uh, China would maintain a good performance in Q1 and that that, uh, consumption would continue to recover because we saw those retail sales up some 6.7% which was a big jump uh, from December's 1.7 percent. But they also said uh, that the impact from the Ukraine crisis on China's economy uh, will be limited. So, as I say, sounding pretty confident. Interestingly, uh, we did see the PBOC, the Chinese central bank, taking the market a little bit by surprise this morning, keeping that medium term lending facility rate unchanged in its monthly fixing. Now, this, as I say, defied market expectations, which certainly are expecting to see more easing to shore Uh, economic growth and has said the PBOC does have more wiggle room but economists have suggested that perhaps because we saw those good numbers today uh, they have taken a little bit of a breather and there has also been some suggestion that we could have seen more depreciation in the uh, CNY so perhaps the PBOC is trying to strike the balance at the moment.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news you can head
1: to cnbc.com.